0: Hello and welcome to Wine Blast. I'm Susie Barry and I'm here as ever with my husband and fellow Master of Wine, Peter Richards. And this is the second instalment of our big two-part dive into Burgundy. Mm,
1: but it's, it's important to say that you don't have to have listened to the first instalment um, in order to be able to enjoy this one. No, it? no. Um, It's good if you can. Uh, but it's not essential. They can both be enjoyed in, in isolation,
0: if you like, in delightful isolation. Isolation, isolation. Yeah, now, yeah. now, that's something we've we've all become rather familiar with, isn't it? It's yes. True. In a different yep. way. <laughs> so, so in the first episode, we talked to Burgundy expert Jasper Morris M.W. and also to Rebecca Palmer, who's a buyer for Corny and Barrow, um, about. Pretty much everything, really, from mm. how climate yeah. change is affecting Burgundy to pricing to finding good value, yeah, kitchen um, sink, everything. Pretty much, we threw it all in there, and and we also gave our our summary of the 2019 vintage, which yeah. is the one currently being sold.
1: I mean, Burgundy's worth a dive in, isn't it? It's kind of a it's kind of the, Always the hot topic in wine. One of the hottest topics, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of the archetype, isn't it? So, it really is, uh, it really in this is. episode, uh, I'm just justifying to myself and spending <laughs> so much time <laughs> on Burgundy,
0: but it's fun. Oh, come uh, on. No Nobody we can never spend too much time on Burgundy, no,
1: no, especially with this. What we what we got here. We were talking first off to to the brilliant, um, unorthodox.
0: He's certainly unorthodox.
1: Burgundy producer Munir Sauma uh, of the micronegociant Lucien Lemoyne, uh, in what I can only describe as. Um, A hard-hitting, I think. (laughs) Slightly shouty. Slightly (laughs) shouty. Definitely more provocative, thought-provoking, definitely. He's always thought-provoking. I mean, he never, Munir never disappoints, does he?
0: He certainly does not. Um, And this one, it is well worth the listen. Um, We'll also be doing in this episode a small yet, I think, intriguing tasting Mm. of Burgundy wines Mm. um, with tips as everybody is asking for them for good value bottles that are uh, out there right now, yeah, um, yeah. and we will be hearing a wide range. This is my favourite bit of your views on what you guys both love and hate about Burgundy.
1: Mm, some treats there, so uh, lots <laughs> to get through. Uh, Best to dive right in. Um, so Munia Soma. Uh, and his wife Rotem are boutique wine producers in both Burgundy, uh, with Lucien Lemoine, uh, and also in Chateauneuf du Pape. And uh, now they both studied in France um, and have now made their home in Beaune, uh, in the heart of Burgundy. They're renowned for their ruthless focus on quality and character in their wines, and also, you know, their uncompromising approach mm-hmm. to winemaking, uh, which they describe as the old way.
0: Yeah, actually, on which note, um, one thing I noticed that you discuss in this interview is the is the leaves yeah, of the yeah, wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think just to clarify, the leaves are... The paste-like sediment that that forms um, as a wine ferments and ages. Uh, Mainly uh, the lees come from the dead yeast cells, but, you know, they can come from other things as well.
1: So, for example, cheap and cheerful wine is taken off its lees as soon as possible. Uh, But for finer wines, sometimes, you know, if you keep the wine on its lees, it can give extra structure and texture and complexity uh, to a wine Um, can also encourage the the softening malolactic fermentation because the bacteria feed on the nutrients Mm -hmm. in the lees. Um, But unless you know, it's properly supervised. It can cause problems. Um, it can be risky. You know, it can lead to so-called reductive uh, characters, can't it? You know, stinky yeah. sulphides yeah, yeah. in, in the wine. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that, that's something that, that's uh, gone into in, in, the, mm. in the interview. But something else, uh, Munir also mentions different kinds of presses, which I think are worth um, oh, yeah, yeah. just mentioning. Again, to clarify, modern pneumatic presses are quite gentle, while the continual or mechanical presses are harsher and they tend to... Squeeze lots more out of the of the mm. grapes, both mm. the solids and the liquids. Yeah,
1: yeah, but, but just going back to the management of the leaves briefly. You know, Munir um, and Rotem tend to work on quite a small scale. Um, I think they've got about. 70 barrels in in, in their Burgundian um, cellar. and They certainly won't exceed 100. So, you know, they, they've they got the, the ability to be able to sort of micromanage and so they, they can keep on top of uh, any potential risks of, of keeping the wines on Lees. Uh, and they have a sort of unique approach, don't they, to the whole old school, long Lees ageing thing. They do, um, they do, it, yeah. It's one of the reasons, for example, they insist that people decant their wines before drinking them both white and um, red not just they don't just advise it they insist on it which is interesting <laughs> that's, but anyway, that's very
0: Munir and, and rotten, I'm, I'm slightly
1: getting ahead of myself here I spoke to Munir uh, via zoom uh, as he was standing in his barrel hall um which is a, a very impressive barrel hall isn't it is it um, really yeah yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah
0: when you've seen I haven't been there so yeah yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, he
1: was also wearing a very impressive Christmas jumper
0: which you are partial happened. to are you which not? I'm
1: partial to and, and an admirer of and a connoisseur and I think I salute Munir because it was, <laughs> his was epic um, but he's just he's not a big fan of Zoom funnily enough uh, and there is a weird sort of electronic sort of jingly music it, it sort
0: of sounds like somebody's got a little girl's musical box going on in the background it just happened yeah. I wondered
1: if it was his jumper to be honest I would have had more respect <laughs> if it was coming out of his jumper
0: <laughs> it could have been <laughs> anyway
1: it goes off at various stages in our chat please don't be put off uh, certainly you know listening to Munir itself is is is, is captivating enough. Uh, he's no shrinking violet, uh, and I started by asking him to introduce himself.
2: <laughs> I, I'm Munir. I produce wines in Burgundy, uh, in my little winery called uh, Lucien 1 and in Châteauneuf du Pape, with uh, with my wife. In both sides. we and we we, we started the One under in 1999 and we started the rotom and munir sauma the domain in Chateauneuf-du-Pape in 2009 10 years after
1: how's, how how's it been since 299 two, is a while ago now how's the business been to build up and to establish and, and how how's it going now
2: look we 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 work slowly uh, and all, all the domains in, in our way of aging and in our development in, in, in the market. We, we, we are not rabbits. Uh, we, we walk uh, slowly and it's, it's doing not bad. We heard, we heard um, from different actors in, during the COVID, during the, the year 2020, we heard many times, uh, we want your wines because they are different. Uh, you know us, we don't pretend anything. Uh, we are not better or less good than others. Our system, technically talking is completely different. And um, it is it makes different wine, different category of wine. So, so talk, talk to me about that. Why? Why are you different? Uh First of all, we didn't create anything. People people think that, uh, ah, the guy must be, or, or his wife, or and they no, we didn't create anything. We copied what people did um, more than 100 years ago, uh, aging on the totality of the lease, uh, a lot of lease. Uh, if you want numbers, I mean, uh, normally, normally in a, in a barrel in, of wine in Burgundy or in chateauneuf de pape you may find one, two liters one, two liters of lees. In our barrels, there are seven, eight, 10 liters of very heavy lees. Normally, a wine is racked. Uh, We pump the wine during the process, during the aging, once or twice a year to take the clear wine, kind of clear, and throughout the sediments. We don't do this. Uh, Normally, average around us, uh, wines are bottled, like people are bottling 2019 now, we just finished bottling the 2018. So we age with a lot of lees, um, twice or three times more lees than everybody. Uh, and we age longer, twice or three times more than others. Again, we don't pretend anything. They are facts.
1: Sorry to interrupt. Why, why, do, you, why do your wines have more lees than other? And by lees, we mean sort of dead yeast cells, but also solids <laughs> from the grapes. Why do they have that? And what difference does it make leaving it so long with them?
2: I try to guess what, how people did in the past. Long time ago, we had what we call uh, le press continue, uh, continued press. Today we have pneumatic. So uh, in the middle, we had the mechanical press, the yellow one. So in the history, I guess there were much more extraction, much more uh, sediments, and the people didn't have a pump, didn't have tube, didn't have tanks, and didn't have time, luxury. Ah, people were. We lived in the multiculture. People grow uh, cows. They have fields. They have uh, corn, and they have wine. Today, winemakers are dedicated to wine. They have time, which is a defect because uh, when you cannot do, you let it do. When you can, you use your hands and you use your mind. So, yeah, I am criticizing. So, what, what, what we are doing? It's what, what we guess. What I. I saw in books, and uh, I tried to to imagine how it was before, and I guess that it was the wines in the past were aged with long, long aging, because cellars were colder than today. Global warming is maybe good in the vineyard. It is good in the vineyard, but it's a defect. It's crazy. It's not good at all in the cellar, because things are fast. So in the room where I'm talking with you, if you look around, uh-huh. these are... Um, Whites 2020, where we we, 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 we we put them in a room. I'm, I'm, I'm on the second floor, if you see. And uh, it's uh, frozen. It's cold. And we still have something like 20 grams of sugar per liter. And the wines are going to referment alcoholic fermentation in the coming summer. So certain people in Burgundy will be bottling maybe their Whites 2020 when ours are alcoholic fermenting so we try to copy what happened in the past I think wines were dirty more dirty than today and they were fermenting slower than today and longer than today
1: but and you say you you call this the old way of of doing things and you also recommend that people decant your wines and and age them for a long time but people these days they want instant gratification don't they they want to be able to get a bottle of great wine
2: is that not a problem yeah you 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 are touching a very sensitive subject Uh, we have a lot of uh discussion and uh, sometimes even uh not not nice not polite discussions because people is this say, between,
1: oh, between rotem and rotem your wife and you is that the discussion
2: no 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 between us and the market we, oh, we, okay. we,
1: people
2: people don't accept that we, we people tell us all the time who pretend yourself to be and ask us to decant burgundy we don't decant burgundy now this problem was resolved for me because, um, I, 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 why are you ask people to decant? Because when you age with a lot of lees for a long time, uh, you keep a lot of CO2, a lot of natural gas in, in the wine. And uh, it's a physical thing. It's not romantic. It has nothing to do with uh, being sommelier or master sommelier or, or whatever, or a, a big knowledge. It's physical. The wines has a lot of CO2. If you don't splash them in the decanter, and push a little bit of the gas out, you are not going to really get deep in the wine. The wine is is going to be kind of protected, auto protected. So uh, people say today, no, 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 we don't decant Burgundy. We were lucky enough uh, to appreciate three years ago, uh, a bottle of Godichaux from Romani Conti, 1929. And guess what was written on the bottle? Decant before you serve. So um, I don't know for sure that uh, people, were, people used to drink the wine later than today in the past. Mm. Uh, we, we, we drink fast, we drink it quick, we drink young now. Okay, the wines who are made around are with less much, they have almost one third of the CO2 that we have. So yeah, you don't need to decant them. But ours, if you don't decant them, you don't get them. Okay,
1: and I, I I do remember drinking some wonderful wines of yours that would have been decanted. One of my favourite wines from yours was the 2007 Le Mans Rachet in Jeroboam, which we enjoyed with you uh, at yeah. the Ospice de Beaune a while back. Uh, obviously, just an immense wine, such texture, such depth. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Just going to pick you up on that comment about climate change. You said it was good in the vineyards.
2: Yeah, look, um, in, in, in Burgundy, when I arrived first here, Long time ago, in 89, um, the, the, I was talking with the growers, with monks, and uh, they, I heard twice uh, the, the word window. Uh, when you talk with them, when you pick, they used to say in Burgundy, uh, it's raining. It's an area where we have rain. Maybe you know that September is the driest month in Burgundy. But October is a lot of rain. And uh, until 80, until 1980, we used, we, we, between sixteen eighty, and 80, we picked 15 times in October. So we were picking in a rainy month. And we were waiting for what we call a window. Let's call it like two, three days of no rain to pick. And it happened sometimes that we picked Von Romane and the Poulinier-Maurachet the same day. And that's why we used to have in the past something that doesn't exist anymore today. We used to talk about a white vintage and a red vintage. It's not true anymore. It was right in the past because when this window arrived, if you picked that day Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, maybe the Chardonnay was ripe and not the Pinot or the opposite. Now with the global warming, we have the the luxury of choosing the date of the harvest. Last year, and the same crew in Merceau, one person picked and his neighbor picked one month after him, 29 days after. So we can choose the date of the harvest. We can choose the the ripeness. And we are exaggerating here badly. It's not a good thing. Because if you look well in the past, we used to pick at 10.5, 11% of alcohol and to ship the lice to arrive to 12.5, 13. Certain people in the last 20 years pushed the maturity in Burgundy to 13.513. So you are picking 13.514 with the acidity of 13.514, while in the past we had 13% of alcohol with the acidity of 10.5 or 11. So global warming is good, but (laughs) human is weak. Human is bad, but it's not good in the cellars because cellars are warmer than today, than than in the past. Mm. Mm. and fermentations are very fast and malactic is fast and uh, the maturity is fast so that's why we in our cellars we try to ha- to find cold cellars we play with temperature we play with the lees we try to delay everything and we age between 24 and 26 months
1: so moving on from that the, the 2019 vintage which everyone is is, is selling now a uh, burgundy season um I, I presume asking you about that is too premature is it
2: uh, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we don't know 2019 because we are going to, to have our first serious tasting in two weeks because ours are still full of gas. Uh, 2019 was very fast in, in malolactic because the, the af- after season was very warm and uh, it is in sunny vintage. It was not very, very high in acidity. So certain malolactic went, uh, went too fast. We blocked them in in Lemoine and in Chateau of du pape And we were lucky to have certain activity in the, in the summer 2020. Our 2019s, few months ago, they were moving. They were producing CO2 and continue to protect themselves. So it's, it's a vintage where, um, I, I like this kind of vintages because the maturity is achieved. Uh, all the raw material is perfect, but they are very dangerous vintages because for a lot of people, Uh, sunny means strong and 2019 is not strong. Uh, uh, The skins were not super fat. It's a very sensitive, I would say even fragile vintage. Like I I used this word when I was talking about 2015 and when I used to talk about 2009. And I I think we must pay attention to this fragility in 2019 because too much racking, too much fining, too much filtering will, will kill something in the wines. It's a, it's a jowel. It's a ripe pitch. You need to handle with a lot of sensitivity, a lot of attention.
1: And just finally, um, talking about the search for value, you, you, you buy from around Burgundy. You've got a great vision. The pricing of some top Burgundy these days is very difficult for normal wine lovers to afford. Where's best to look for for the best value uh,
2: in Burgundy right now? Look, it's a catastrophe. Uh, we, we don't have another word. It's a disaster. I mean, uh, uh, when, we, when we see the prices we are practicing today. I was shocked two years ago, I was in a wine shop and I saw the, the, the price of 2009 on the wine shop, uh, less expensive than the ex-seller of the 2016. Uh, Burgundy is in a very bad period. It's a combination of demand, low yield. So we don't have enough wine and the demand is very strong. The, the we, we, we see it in our portfolio. We do a Burgundy, which is a blend of Premier Cru and Village. Uh, I can produce three times what we, we produce today because people go to this, to these things. So you, you can go to villages like, even Pomar, Nuit Saint-Georges uh, are still in, in a good place. We must, we, 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 we must wait. Um, Burgundy is crazy. Uh, prices are very high. Uh, but quality is here. We had a super series of vintages. All vintages in the last 15 years are great. So uh, economically talking for a customer, it's a bad period.
1: And who's to blame? I mean, is it you growers setting the prices too high? Is it the market, the secondary market driving? Nah,
2: it's, it's inhuman. Uh, it's the love et la demande. Yeah. Uh, not enough production, too much demand. It's out of our hands. Nobody is winning from this. Growers are not winning. They did better in the past. They prefer to say to have a normal production and to sell it all at 10, than to have half production and to sell it at 15. Growers are not doing money. Uh, Negos or importer are not winning money like in the past and customer is paying ba- bad prices or, uh, or very expensive prices. It's, it's a bad period. It's a bad period and the same time, we are happy to buy these bottles. Don't forget that with COVID, fortunately for the restaurants, they are, my, my heart is broken when I talk about restaurants because it's the, the, the family who is paying the bill direct. Mm. A lot of people are at home and instead of paying the bottle in the restaurant for 150, they pay it 100 at home. So at, at a certain place, you can say to yourself, Okay, I will buy a Premier Cru instead of buying a village in the restaurant. So at the end of the day, and the people are at home, and um, like Churchill used to say with champagne, uh, it's an, it's a necessity. So we are trying to to, to maintain our morale uh, high by drinking a, a good glass of wine, and we, we don't drive. When you are at home, you don't drive. So no, people are drinking wine. We are drinking wine. I am drinking wine. Uh, but it, it, it is a tough period economically talking for, for Burgundy and uh, for the customers of Burgundy.
1: It's very tough, and I particularly uh, admire your comments about the restaurants. We're all feeling it for them. It's such a difficult time but, for restaurants and bars. It's hard. And can't wait hard. to get, get back. Now, one last question, Mounu. I've stood yes. in, uh, next to Le champs Vineyard with you, and, and you said the following quote, and I just want to repeat it to you. You said, Burgundy is a paradox or a matrix of paradoxes. You need to admire it, not understand it. The more we learn about Burgundy the less we understand. What did you mean by that?
2: When you arrive first to Burgundy, we explain to you that Volnay is fruity and the Pomar is spicy. We tell you, Gevray is strong and Chambol is class fine. And then one day we serve you a glass of something, of Gevray, Claude Bez. You taste blind and you say, wow, this is fine. So this is Chambol. No, no, no. It's a Claude Bez. But you told me that Gevray is powerful. Yeah, Gevray is powerful, but not Claude Bez. When you get the virus with Burgundy, you are lucky because it's an entire life. Nobody knows Burgundy. Nobody can in one life know Burgundy. When you talk with the grower of Pulini you tell him, what do you think about Chassani-Kairé? He will answer, I am from Puligny." Nobody can pretend to know Burgundy. And the more you learn, the more you are confused, the less you understand. But it's an entire life and we are lucky that we love Burgundy, and we can we can taste Burgundy, and we can still learn about Burgundy. It's an entire life,
1: and you are devoting your life to it in wonderful fashion. Munir, thank you so much.
2: Thanks to you, and wish you happy New Year, and to all the world, to all the humanity.
0: So. <laughs> Very interesting take on climate mm. change there. And he always has
1: interesting takes. He really, does indeed. I mean, good for general. the
0: vineyard, he said, bad in the cellar. Yeah, mm.
1: good for the vineyard. You know, I I, I can see his broader point, uh, especially uh, as regards to the cellar, which people don't often talk about in terms yeah. of climate change. There is an aspect there uh, of coolness of cellars uh, and how you age the wines. But I'm not so sure I agree about the vineyard. You know, we didn't, I didn't want to press him too much, uh, didn't have a really low of time. We didn't go for, to, for example, the extreme weather events that are also a feature of climate change, which yeah. are really affecting burgundy, like spring frost or hail drought. Or drought, yeah. Exactly. Um, and also the fact this isn't something you can just dial up. You know, if these trends continue, then they won't be harvesting in September, which he's saying is good, but August yeah. and then July and then the whole sort of house of cards tumbles down you know.
0: yeah I mean and I think also let's face it given it's such an important issue perhaps it is actually a good idea if you can to listen to the Jasper Morris interview on mm, climate yeah. well talk, when he talks about climate change in the last episode as well as hearing Mooner's views to, to sort of get a better I think overview of the, of the situation to be honest, I think
1: this is probably another podcast to do on a different, different day <laughs> different series of podcasts isn't it but-, but you
0: know listening to both I think is, is a good balance mm. Yeah. Um, yes. And then actually following on from that theme, I found the fact that, that Munir said there's no more white and red vintages mm. nowadays yeah. because the picking window is so much bigger. That, that's really fascinating Um, and i I do think that is fair enough in many ways i mean if you consider Mm. that in the 2018 vintage growers picked over about i think it was a six week period i mean it is true with warmer and drier vintage that in vintages that in in general Mm. you can be much more choosy about when you pick and you can pick to then suit the style of wine that you want to make Mm. So, so big more many more styles of wine being made Yes, yeah, or a yeah, bigger yeah. range. And not, of not. It's not. You can't styles. just be simplistic
1: and say this is a white wine vintage, and that one's a red wine vintage. No, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. Um, yeah, and I know that you were surprised also talking about vintages when he talked about the fragility. I think was the word he used, wasn't it, of the twenty nineteen yeah. vintage? Uh, when that doesn't seem to necessarily be the consensus of, of the style.
0: Not necessarily. No, no, not not really. Mm. Um, yeah, a bit more yeah, concentration, I mean-
1: sort of. You know, I think concentrated it,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, but it depends who you are and where your grapes are and how you yeah. grew them and when you picked them and all that, you but know. But I, I think, of-
1: thinking about it, I think he's making a slightly different point. I, I, I remember visiting in 2016 um, when I first met him, when I went over for the Hospices. Yeah, tasting the 2015s from Barrel uh, with, with Munir and Rotem, discussing the 2009s, and both of those are sort of similar. They were both warm vintages, quite sort of ripe and bold, and people were saying, oh, these, these are sort of blockbuster, you know, bigger, riper mm. styles. You know, they made a real point. They, they, they've they always obviously focused on elegance in their wines, but they made the point they're very wary of people who go for that big blockbuster style. Yeah. And, and they think that sometimes the wines can easily be made into those styles, but it's not necessarily the style that, Actually, reflects the vintage itself, and I think that's why they use the word fragile. Because I think what they're saying is the wines can easily be ruined when they're overdone. Yeah, so, so when so you get actually, a vintage with the capacity to do that, yeah. you can do it, but it doesn't always make for the best wines. I think that's their point. I,
0: I think I think maybe the word you know maybe we're, we're slightly misinterpreting the word fragile, if you like. Yeah, I um, think so. So it's, it's probably probably what he's talking about is is actually a, I mean I'm putting words in his mouth, but potentially a slightly tricky vintage in that sense. You've got to be very careful with it. Um, not not mm. to get the balance yeah. wrong. Be, so it's a very exactly, fragile balance, if you exactly. like.
1: It's one that's got to be got just right. And I think that's why yeah. he calls it a jewel, yeah. which is a lovely word. For it, <laughs> I mean?
0: Now, just just moving on, another interesting thing he, he talked about, which I think this is a bit tricky to get your head around. So mm. we've, got to, we've got to sort of, I'm going to try and make it as simple as possible. But, but the way he talked about where Burgundy wines in the past had maybe 13% alcohol, but... With the acidity of a wine mm, with ten point five to eleven yeah, percent alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what he's doing there is he's talking about chaptalization, where mm. before the weather got warmer, producers added sugar to the fermentation to give the final wine more alcohol, and not to make it sweet, but just yeah, that's a really boost important the point. Alcohol. So people
1: put the sugar in yeah. so that it was fermented, fermented, not that it stayed in as sugar; it was fermented into and more came alcohol. out
0: as alcohol. Yeah. So so you picked your grapes with. to 11% potential alcohol, but then they actually reached 13%. But the acidity was still that of the ripeness level of 10.5 to 11%. That's the key thing, isn't it? That's it. That's the key thing. So that was in the past. Nowadays, though, the alcohol is naturally 13 or 14 or or more. Uh, And so the acidity level is naturally lower because generally as the sugar levels rise and therefore potential alcohol rises, acidity drops. Mm. And I think Mm. that... Is, the, is changing the style of Burgundy wines, or a lot of Burgundy wines.
1: Yes, it depends on the producer, doesn't it? But I, that's that, a really is that good point. too complicated? No, I think <laughs> the key thing to hang on in all of that is is the acidity levels. So yeah. before, Burgundy was picked when grapes were less ripe. Yeah. So the acidity level was naturally yeah, higher. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. couldn't do much about that. Yeah. Nowadays... You can, if you want to, pick later when the acidity level, because the grapes are riper, is naturally lower. Yeah, and that's a key. That's what he's getting at. I think is, is we talk about we focus on alcohol rising, but actually you know, the corollary of that is that acidity is, is is really falling as well. Yeah, and that's really important because I don't know, if, I know. Certainly, if you and me, acidity is one of the key things in wine. We don't oh, talk. We yes. talk about alcohol a lot. We don't talk yeah, about yeah. acidity enough because that's what enables wines to age. Also, from our perspective. When we're trying these wines with food, it's always the key thing about wine going with food is the acidity. If the acidity is really low, it often just doesn't work. The acidity is higher, much better chance of working with food.
0: Absolutely. And and you really want that, particularly somewhere like Burgundy. You know, you've yeah. got Chardonnay. You know, you want Chardonnay to have great acidity um, and, and Pinot Noir as, oh, well, that Pinot Noir as well, that freshness, exactly. that lovely freshness of acidity. No, you get,
1: the way you have a complex wine is you have a a, 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 a sort of substrate uh, a, a, a basis a foundation on which the structure sits and that has to be really good acidity so there we go uh, I also loved his bit before, before we end on this about how he says the catastrophe of pricing uh, <laughs> I know, it's a great I know. phrase isn't it but you know um, yeah. that's a whole other podcast in itself Again, um, yeah. market forces really interesting to hear what he said yeah. um, but I'm also I have to say to finish off I'm really with him on the necessity of a good glass of wine
0: particularly these days yeah
1: yeah on which note do you see what I've done there you
0: did, beautiful dovetailing there. It's Beautiful. time to get tasting. Time to get tasting. To We're get tasting, tasting. Here, so, haven't we? Um, we so did we a, a small wine. tasting, didn't we? Uh, we didn't. We didn't go and go mad and taste <clears> loads <throat> and loads and loads. But we've we've got a, a real, I would say, a real selection across styles and across mm. prices. I mean, right, massively so, so across come on, prices. Then. Kick us off. So I'm going to kick us off with a total value value wine that we tasted, which was um, and we've got it here the the 2016 Bourgogne oh. Chardonnay from Spa. There we go. Um, which is nine pounds fifty and. I thought this, for £9.50, I mean, I know that's not cheap, cheap, but it's a Bourgogne Chardonnay. It actually properly tastes a bit yeasty and mealy, and uh, it's got the red apple fruit, uh, it's got a stony character. It's a bit like a sort of a petit Chablis, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, the, a nice petit So with Chablis. Bourgogne,
1: it can be sourced from anywhere in the Burgundy region. Often uh, with Bourgogne Blanc, you know, because you're looking for value, that can be either in Chablis, or yeah. it can be in the Macronay. Or Couture Linaise. Um, this tastes like a Chablis, is it? I think it's made yeah. by, the, by the Union in Chablis. So I think it's largely shabby fruit and it does take, it tastes yeah. like a nice basic it's decent, shabby
0: it's really decent I mean it's, it's nothing balanced amazing and, no, I but think it's you a, liked it slightly a, more than me yeah I think but I did. but as a value but shout it gives you a sense of I was surprised burgundy. How, how nice sense that burgundy, was a sense yeah. of
1: shabby and what sorry what was it
0: how much did you say it was it's nine fifty. Nine fifty. Okay, at the okay, moment so it's not cheap um, but it's relatively
1: yeah. affordable and that's in in, in spa. spa
0: Okay. Uh, so the next wine is one that we actually bought quite a bit of because we liked it. Mm. Um 2018 Domaine Trottier Savarin. Yeah. Uh this is from Majestic. Uh, I'm not sure they have still got the Savarin. They've got a, a different uh, Domaine Trottier wine at the moment. Um but this is this is a very different style, isn't it?
1: Oh this is this is all about sun-glazed warmth and richness. Yeah. It's kind of mouth coating. I mean um,
0: 2018 was a very warm vintage. I think maybe it's been exacerbated by the but what you
1: want from Macon is that sense of, of a bit of sunniness, yeah. a bit of roundness. And I think you want a little bit of that savoury, sort of creamy, leesy, mm. yeasty style. you got to want to get a sense of that. It is You're creamy. not expecting a blockbuster white no. with massively racy acidity, are you?
0: I mean, I was going to say, this is the one where you might think, oh, the acidity could have been dialed up a, a notch or two. Yeah, um, I think for me, I would have liked a bit more acidity. But it's a very lovely, sunny glass of wine. Oh, and it slips
1: down so easy. And it's a, it It's a does. really good sense of proper burgundy and an accessible... I can't remember... What I did, can't remember exactly uh, what
0: we paid for it, but I think... It, it was, about it was about 15 pounds. About 15, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, some, like that, 14, think,
1: 90, 12, 99, 40, 99 something like that. I think like that. got their at the moment, is it? I can't remember, I but it's, it a, it's about 20, 22 quid. Yeah. Anyway, I think, you know, it's a really good shout, uh, that Dimitri. Demetrié. Good producer. And Sam Verrette, a nice name in, in, in the, in the macro We
0: have to move on because the next one is just oh, no. too thrilling. Yes. It's too, too unbelievably exciting. Oh. This this was a wine that just floored us, wasn't it? Go on, you explain, because uh, you you brought this home with you. I and, did. Uh, so this
1: is the Auspice de Beaune 2013 Saint-Romain Cuvée Joseph-Meneau. Um, it's 12.5% alcohol. And this was made by Mounir and Rotem. This is a Lucien Lemoine-produced uh, auspice de bone cuvee. It's white. saint was something that Jasper picked Jasper up on. Jasper talks about saint uh, as, as, as a slightly,
0: less, yeah, less, it's slightly lesser name. Lesser so, name. So cool. but, um, but, but,
1: you know, you get wines like this, and I think it's not going to stay lesser for long. This
0: oh my Lord. is...
1: Glorious. Yeah. Just, it's a wine you sink into. And I think it embodies, we're going to come on to your views of Burgundy. Um, but, you know, and I think this is echoed there, but one of the glories of Burgundy is sometimes you, you smell it, you taste it, it can't be anything else because it embodies both this amazing kind of hedonistic, luxurious, gold and creamy opulence and, and a bit, but allied to this wonderful kind of like mouth-watering acidity and steely structure you think how can you get those two characters it's like it's like yin and yang it's like it's like <laughs> the devil and god in one glass together, of wine it's just mind-blowing
0: just mind-blowing yeah and i think as, as as jasper said when you pull the cork and it it the wine is is it could not be any better
2: Mm. You know, it's the yes. best
0: wine. This wine could possibly be. I cannot imagine this wine ever being any better. Anyway, we're saying all of this. I don't think you can actually get hold of it. So I No, <laughs> I think, think, well, think it's
1: sold out now. It's um, sold out. But it sold out um, in 2013. But, but it's just 2013, to say, But you know, you know uh, what's it? They've got the 2017. I, I think,
0: think. m have the. Or they certainly did have the We tasted 17. it before
1: Christmas. Um, but it might. It, it might be in some fine wine sections. We're not sure. Certainly, you know, never going to be a big distribution. But wine. would you say
0: the key here is, you know, given it's an bone wine, lots of People make Hospice de Bone wines, and probably lots of people make Saint-Romain. We like the fact that it—you know—looking at the producer is probably quite key. So I, Lucien Lemoine was the really man important. who made—you know—the yeah, producer see these, who made the, the Hospice this, as it
1: labels are very striking. You see them everywhere, but of course, what happens with the Hospice is the barrel gets sold, and then it's made by different people. So uh, actually, that has a big influence on the style mm. of the wine. And I think this Saint-Romain might have been made by Lesser people into a wine that wasn't nearly as impressive because we said mm. Saint is not the one of most vaunted names, but this was proper, it was glorious, glorious. It was Chardonnay, you know, so, it st- would stand up to many grander names.
0: Oh, absolutely. And so, what 50, do we think so, it would have cost? Uh, About 50 quid?
1: 40, 50 quid. Well, the yeah. one that they've got at the moment is 50 pounds.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when Os- this is not uh, value burgundy, this is, no. well, no, we, it into, is value actually because for me it's worth every penny
1: yeah and, and 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 we're going to try and buy some more if we can and that's a good that that's all the recommendation you need i mean it's it's proper stuff and and you know it's oh it's just oh, <laughs> words sometimes fail <laughs> when you taste stuff that's this good and and this really was one of those very very special bottles so so moving uh, on to
0: reds yeah uh, moving we on had to a reds, couple of reds yeah. totally totally uh different styles of so, red so we couldn't we resist a, pulling out a pastu grand now this is a,
1: f- a throwback to jasper's interview wasn't it when you when he what, what was it he talked about he'd opened a pastu grand yeah. and it was 19, 1938 1938 so just to remind us pastu grand is quite a humble wine isn't it it's one of the humblest normally
0: wines. yeah because it's a blend of pinot noir and, and gamay it's just a it's just a, a, a simple quaffable, drinking Burgundy. Um, but as Jasper said, he happened to open this bottle. You know, it was his lockdown wine that he wouldn't forget um, that was 1938 and still delicious. And you think, wow, that is extraordinary. Even just to have any uh, Burgundy wine that uh, it, 1938 is still delicious because it yeah, wasn't a particularly yeah, vaunted vintage. Um, anyway, so uh, we thought we'd open this one. It, I mean, it, it's it's one we had and it's perfectly nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's
1: really nice. I mean, it's quite it's quite full on. It's quite... Dense, quite sort of um, tannic. There's a lot of concentration there, um, which you might not expect from a pasty but this is a pretty good one. Yeah. This is the 2018 Georges Lignier et Fils, um, Bourgogne Passe du Grin. It's um, obviously a blend of, of uh, Gamay and Pinot Noir. It's about £16.50 at the grocery um, and other independents. Now, I recommended this in my lighter wines for summer drinking piece for Decanter uh, yeah. last year. And I think it's, you know, this is actually a wine you should probably stick away for another six months a year and it will be it will be really good if you can keep it. It's kind of, you know, it is a wine you can drink in the summer but it's also a wine you can drink in the winter. It's great with food. It's
0: only I, 12% alcohol, so it's not I, a, and a really not lovely a Passe du
1: Grin style. So, you know, thanks to Jasper for highlighting that one. If you're looking for value in burgundy you know look for a good producer making a, a humble style either yeah, a bourgogne, either rouge or, bourgogne rouge or yeah, uh, pas yeah, de
0: Yeah absolutely. Um,
1: what was the other one we had the white didn't we in and, and um in my lighter wines for summer drinking and the bourgogne allegoete by um uh, I can't remember. Mm, can't remember, but it's in that Sorry. article, and it's just again humble style, great yeah. producer. Yeah, yeah. You think, so yes.
0: Bourgogne Aligote, yes. For a, if you want a slightly less expensive white Burgundy, it's not going to be made from Chardonnay, but you know you can find some really lovely ones. Mm,
1: absolutely, especially in the warmer vintages. Yeah. Right, we come on to the final wine, and this <laughs> is a bit more contentious. <laughs> I'm afraid it? it is. I'm okay, afraid this is where it we is. don't Go agree. On. So I- let me just say what it is. It's a Chateau de Pommard. Uh, Cuvée Simon, Um, this was 2018, this was released very recently, um, and it has the price of £360. Now, we didn't agree, I like this wine, okay, we tasted this wine um, together, and I loved it, Um, But we sometimes have these reactions and obviously we taste separately and then we come together and talk.
0: I think to be fair, we've got very different styles here in terms of... uh, Well, we'll we'll discuss it. But for me, I thought this
1: was um, really polished. I found it interesting. I found it... With Pomar, you expect quite a muscular, quite a forceful, dense style with a bit of tannin, um, hopefully some earthy, interesting, savoury notes in there. Mm. I thought for me, I did get fragrance on the nose. I thought there was some floral sort of hints, definitely some sort of creaminess as well, but some lovely fruits. Um, And then on the palate, more importantly, I found the tannins were very dense, but very, very fine. Um, It was quite a polished style for Pomar, absolutely, but I thought it was very, very impressive. And impressive is a word I use... Uh, appropriately here so it's trying hard to be impressive but I also did find it impressive but you weren't so wowed by it were you?
0: No <laughs> <laughs> no God. I mean um, it is a well made wine without a, a doubt it's a well made wine it's a village Pommard it's not a Premier Cru or a Grand Cru but that you know that doesn't matter if it's, well, it's, it's, no it's a great well, well look anyway. I'm just saying generally though You're it's making, it's, yeah, I'm making yeah. the point that um, yeah. it's a very expensive wine and it's it's not Premier or, or Grand Cru and um, that isn't the point though because you know a great wine is a Great wine. Um, I I just immediately when I smelt it, I didn't didn't smell the lift and the ethereal fragrance that I want from a great red Burgundy. Um, I found it just very slightly too jammy, fruited on the nose. um, In my mouth, it was. I did find it quite tannic. I know Pommard, you know, is a chunkier style, but I found it dense and um, and certainly. You know, quite tannic, um, just not thrilling in the way that I had so hoped it's it would be. Work. Yeah, well, just just not as exciting as I wanted mm. it to be. Mm. Not the thrill that I get from when I open a bottle of red Burgundy and it blows me away. Um, How would you define that of, thrill then? What, what, are you, what are you looking for? I'm looking for really, really filigree, sort of interlaced flavors and layers, and and things that dance around in your in your mouth. So there's so that, a lightness. You know, there there's a like lightness, yeah. but not a not a not a um, not a light wateriness, if yes, you like, yes. you know, a lightness that just takes you to all sorts of, it, it pings around your mouth, your head, your your body, and it just takes you to all sorts of different places and it finishes with just a feeling that you cannot not drink another sip of it. Oh, you didn't get that from this? I didn't get that from this. I thought it was a perfectly nice well, wine. I have
1: said a bottle empty pretty quickly. <laughs> Maybe that was just I've me. I've got a
0: feeling that <laughs> one person in this house may have w- <laughs> woken weird. up feeling slightly worse than the other. Um, um, okay, interesting. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, interesting. And when I found out what it costs, I mean, I don't think I... I mean, you did say it's a very expensive wine. Mm. Um, I find that slightly insane. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I know you mean.
0: To be honest.
1: And I, know by, and I think your point is relatively, you know, the fact that it's not a Premier Cru is not the most important thing in the world. You know, some some vineyards are, should be Premier Cru or Grand Crew and they're not, and vice versa. Um but this isn't a you know premier crew. It's, it's mm-hmm. yes, it's a clos, Marie yes, it's a very small, uh, very best part of that vineyard with lots of lots of play clay in the soil. Um, but yeah. that in itself, I, I, I do take your point. I think it'd be interesting to try this one um, in a, in a few years, sort of revisiting. it, that's like you know, For three hundred and sixty it quid, yeah. it's certainly not going to be a wine that we would afford to buy anyway. No, no. But but it's, I think there will be and other things you out know, there. There are you plenty can of catch, other people maybe.
0: who. Uh, we, you but know, but love I was it.
1: impressed. I thought it was really good. And just so you know, we did actually interview Michael Baum, who's the uh, proprietor at Chateau de Pommard, in uh, our last series of the podcast. We did we Series yeah, one, episode yeah. thirteen, yeah. Um, and interestingly, just if you if you look at that, it's uh, called Vivant. Uh, no, sorry, I'm just thinking the title of the episode. Uh, oh,
0: um, sorry, sorry, uh,
1: Breaking Burgundy or something like that. Um, and it, there are some show, on the show notes. there's some great value tips for white Burgundy as well, which we did back in that episode. So, sure. so worth having a look at. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, interesting. So we didn't agree on that one. Um, if anyone else uh, has any views on that, please do get in touch. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, but we're just going to be Tell us who's wrong? We had a question. Uh, after the last episode uh, via Instagram, which said you know maybe you'll give us some pointers to Burgundies the average person can actually afford. So we haven't just done that with the last wine, but we have done it with some others in that uh, little section there. But we also wanted to find out some others in in UK retail right now, and we sort of identified a few.
0: Absolutely, we? we did. We did indeed. So um, and we just got you know it's literally three wines here, but MS have brought out their classics range. Rel- not so long ago, mm. and actually, they've got a Bourgogne Blanc 2019. They've got a Bourgogne Pinot Noir 2018. Both of which are really, really good. lovely wines. Really good and great the, value. The uh, the the Blanc is nine pounds. The uh, Bourgogne Pinot Noir red is twelve pounds. Yeah, so, no, so both I really think good. really good. Great sort of intrad- entry level wines, and just
1: interestingly, that Bourgogne Pinot Noir has a little bit of gamay in it—fifteen percent of gamay.
0: There we go, <laughs> woohoo! So it's almost a pasture know, crab, but, but, but but not it but quite. it doesn't
1: actually. I didn't notice that. It tastes like a sappy, lovely Bourgogne. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And
0: we've also got a wine from Aldi, um, which is the specially selected Macon Village, again, 2019. That's 7.49. Yeah. So, um So, again, great value. I think what you will tend to find is in supermarkets, in in high street retailers, they will almost always have a Macon. You know, that, yeah, that's Macon's the a, name you're most likely to see. A good, a
1: good way. Macon or good Chablis is a good way to come good into White Good way to, to start, Burgundy. yeah.
0: So, Bourgogne Blanc or Macon or Chablis, basic Chablis. All great ideas, great shouts for, for, if you want to start at an entry-level white And similarly for the indeed. Reds,
1: you know, a pas two sur or yeah. a Bourgogne Pinot Noir Rouge. Or Bourgogne Côte d'Or. Uh, is, that, is, uh, know, exactly. Now... Um, I, I, just uh, the, talking about Chablis, there were there were a couple of Chablis at Aldi as well. The, yeah. the, the Jean Bouchard Petit Chablis 2019, yeah. and the specially selected Chablis Premier Crew at 2018. Uh, those are a bit more expensive, 9.99 and £13.99 respectively, but they were really really good as well. So if yeah. you want some other shouts from uh, from Aldi, those are there, and they did actually have a really posh Jevere Chambertin 2019 <laughs> uh, at uh, 24.99 at Aldi. If you want to splash out, that was actually pretty decent too.
0: De- definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's just a few. I mean, there are lots out there and we just picked up one or two there. Uh, so, exactly. you know, so look out for Macon, look out for Bourgogne Blanc, Bourgogne Rouge yep. and uh, and see what you think. Yeah,
1: any but as you say, any good wine merchant in the UK or around the world, frankly would be and Burgundy is one of those areas. No one would mind you going and say, "Look, you know, I want an affordable Burgundy, something that tastes like Burgundy, but I can afford." Where would I? Where can I start? Yeah. Hopefully, they'll be able to point you in the right direction. I think this is this is where it's worth going to a an independent retailer if you can, rather than a supermarket, because you'll be able to get that help. And they yeah. and they will have wines that are affordable.
0: They will. They will. They will. So
1: we're going to move on now, and we're going go to go to to your favorite section. Clearly, as you said at the top, <laughs> which is uh, your the the views of you guys out there. Um, we love hearing. Your views. Uh, well, yeah, about we really all kinds do. Of we
0: really do. It just yes, makes fantastic. us laugh so um, much. But
1: particularly about things like burgundy, which clearly <laughs> gets everyone quite fired up,
0: doesn't it? It really does. Um, it now, really we did a does. Twitter
1: survey initially, which we'll come on to in a second, but we also love hearing your views. In person, or, or as close as we can get to that, um, this time last year, do we remember this time last year?
0: <sighs> Only just. Sorry. Only just. Uh, we long uh, for it, It, it was we? a different
1: world, wasn't it? We interviewed our friend Chris, uh, who'd just been to his first Burgundy en primeur tasting, about why he loved Burgundy and what he thought about the pricing. And, and this is what he
3: said. Well, I've I've loved Burgundy for for years, and in a very uninformed um, way. Uh, but it goes back to a, a trip that I did with a with a friend um, more than twenty years ago, uh, and we we camped in Dijon, got on our bikes, and then cycled down uh the, the valley that is the, the the Burgundy region, and went to our first uh, vineyard. Um it, it got talking to uh got talking to the owner who took us to his cellar on an upturned barrel with a 40 watt bulb two and a half hours later you know we roll out of there and 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 that was just an amazing experience so you know I've always loved Burgundy from a, a more emotional sort of sense if you like just it being part of French culture it being part of uh, history Um so so for me to go to that that French wine tasting with Burgundy was amazing. I don't think anybody um thinks that burgundy is is cheaply priced. It has an amazing brand. And and that's very so so you don't I don't think you try to taste burgundy uh on a value per litre basis. And I wouldn't consider you know these high-value um these incredibly priced um classic. Um, vintages to be something that I would have on a Saturday. You know, for for me, you know, you have your week by week wine that you'll drink or take to to a friend's house, but then just to be part of something that's really, really special, um, and carries just such a history and and such a depth, but was really amazing. So, would I buy the wine from Enprimeur? Yes. Would I would I have it as my quaff, uh, uh, quaffing wine? No.
1: It's interesting isn't it how how that love of burgundy is often uh, a personal thing it's often a personal reason for it and it's not entirely I, rational no. but it's always it makes it a special place you know and that's worth exploring
0: I think it's to do with burgundy as a place as you say yeah, because it is yes. the, one of the most beautiful wine regions in the sense of being so laid back so gentle and beautiful and lovely to visit um it's not dramatic or glamorous it's just really lovely and country You're so right. You're so
1: right. It's, it's a sense of the place, um, the, the place itself. You know, that's partly what, you know, the UNESCO World Heritage site, was was made that last year year before, wasn't it? And you sort of think, yeah, because it's, a, it's the place itself. Just yeah. as, much, as much as the wine and the food and stuff, yeah. it's the place. So if you can it's visit
0: magical. at any point in the future, not bike, just yet, get, on your, bike like get on your bike and go for it. Um, sure so what did, what, what happened with our, our Twitter survey yeah, then? So, so yeah, Twitter
1: survey. Come on then. Uh, we're going to dump right in. So uh, Twitter survey, I asked the question, why do you, what, A... Why do you like Burgundy? B, why do you not like Burgundy? Some simple questions there. <laughs> and we had some wonderful <laughs> answers. So uh, Toby Dillaway came through and said, so, why do you like Burgundy? He said, the sheer capriciousness of the wines. Why do you not like Burgundy? The sheer capriciousness of the wine. You <laughs> sort of summed it up, well.
0: I love it. So um, I, Archie McDermott said he loved the fact that it can slip inside your mind and thrall and trance and elevate your taste buds better than perhaps any other region in the world. What he hates, though, is that it can reach down your throat and rip your heart out, stopping briefly to empty your wallet, uh, harder than any other region in the world. I mean, I think we could, end, we could end it there, can we? I mean, actually,
1: it's clearly a poet and that's a beautiful, I just love oh, that, actually, stopping love it. briefly to rip your heart out. I just <laughs> love that detail. Um, Shane McHugh said, it, it's a thing you shouldn't love, but do. Uh, you know it's expensive, you know sometimes it'll break your heart and then you pull the cork, you taste it and it pulls you in and you fall in love with it all over again.
0: That's essentially just a love letter to Burgundy, isn't it?
1: But yes, but it is. I mean, it's love, not, there's love, no hate there, really. Love is not rational. You know, and I think this is what people It's almost are Shakespearean, to say. is it not?
0: <laughs> uh, so Folkwine said, I love Burgundy for its Apollonian attributes of reason, culture, harmony and restraint. I do not love Burgundy for its prices.
1: It's mm, a similar theme repeated often, isn't it? it uh, is, Adam Kay just is. said, uh, uh, what do you like about Burgundy? Jevre Chambotin. What do you not like about Burgundy? Paying for Gevre Chambotin. <laughs>
0: I love these <laughs> ones. They're just, just concise, short. Yep. So David Yoshida MS, Master Sommelier, said that Burgundy reminds me that what is beautiful is not necessarily pretty. Mm. And that is an important distinction. Soubois, manure, compost. Mm. And then he says, I hate that basically I anticipate getting ripped off each time. So we're <laughs> back on the money. Bit, but it money comes us, up it? again and but again, I, I, doesn't it? But that
1: was a really interesting point, you know. Um, and Farm people, you say manure to people. Farmyard. You Gamey. You it's hard to express until you've experienced it in the wine. Yeah. Think, yeah. this goes yeah. beyond fruit and simple pleasures. This challenges you. And sometimes you're there going, oh. But I
0: think this really? is what I, I like about, you know, but when I was going exactly. back to slightly the, 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 wines, the layers. and the they walk that tightrope
1: of what plain played pain pain, pain, something else. pain and pleasure pain and pleasure yeah, um, yeah. anyway there we go. We uh morton skate uh, said when it performs it's magnificent and besides riesling from Mosul, the best wine in the world when it doesn't
0: it's so frustrating he's right arby said he likes the abundance of hyphens and then <laughs> But not knowing when to use them. In fact, I'm not sure which he liked or didn't like there. But he said the abundance of hyphens, but not knowing when to use oh, it's, them. It's
1: a lovely. There are a lot of hyphens. On <laughs> there I, are a lot
0: of even hyphens. As masters of wine, I'm sure.
1: We so never true. know quite when, when to do use you the put hyphen or not. S T or S A I N T. When do you put uh, a hyphen at the end? Yeah. It, it's
0: So, so, true, uh, it's so uh, true. wine
1: true. diplomat said the, it's the ultimate expression of terroir and varietal, uh, complex aromatics with intensity on the palate, but a weightless feel, which is I think something you were getting at earlier. Mm. Uh, the Best Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and Gamay in the world, but the former two. Are way too expensive. While Gamay is one of the best bargains in the world, and I think that's a really important point. There, we talk about Burgundy as so if it's the Cote d'Or. It's not just you know Beaujolais is part of Burgundy, and actually uh, they're absolutely right. You know, Gamay can be one of the best bargains oh, in the in the goodness, world. Of wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in red fact, Burgundy. Don't fact, forget good Beaujolais. I-
0: I had another recommendation here um, that I didn't actually mention, but the society, the wine society's exhibition, Moulin Avant, twenty eighteen. That's eleven fifty, and that is a really nice, Mm, really nice um, Beaujolais. Uh, So where do we get to? So uh, Bill Torrance said, "A, undoubtedly the best wine area in the old world. Mm. B, price." And then he says, "Regrettably." The two are closely related. Unfortunately, he's uh, probably right. Derek
1: Mossman from Chile said, "If this were a game show, I could skip to the next category." <laughs>
0: I, I just don't get that, that. Sorry, well, I just being avoid really the question. Deep. Too
1: difficult. Move on. Basically, <laughs> I love that. See, sorry, it's, I not a, been... it's not a game show, Derek.
0: <laughs> so, Spiros Blatsios uh, said, "I like wine because it is unique, even." Bourgogne, oh, sorry, I like the wine, so Burgundy. I like the wine because it is unique. Even Bourgogne Aligoté, which we've just talked about, two Grand, and Cremon de Bourgogne. I don't like the pricing, though.
1: No, again, but nice that you mentioned Aligoté, which we've done, and also yeah. Cremon. You know, some really good so sparkling, sparkling wines sparkling uh, made in the Burgundy. champagne style from yeah. Burgundy, which, you know, yeah. uh, well worth paying attention to. Uh, Gregor Friedrich Hirsch said, uh, because it's got it all, weight, ripeness, fruit, earthiness, minerality, and racy acidity, as well as ageworthiness in the reds. Body so that's in, the reds? In the reds. The reds? Body and creaminess with spice, minerality, and acidity in the whites. I dislike the prices and the badly made bottles. And this is something, you know, inconsistency in Burgundy yeah, is such does, a major that issue.
0: Does. In fact, we didn't really get a lot of people saying inconsistency, but I think people that's are something on we. Yeah, we but hear it is, it is that, the frustration, the time. you know. Now, Pauline kept it simple. Pauline Vicard said, because it tastes like home.
1: If you're lucky to have burgundy as your home, then. I was going to say, my home
0: doesn't taste like burgundy. What what does Hampshire taste like? Well, (laughs) Hampshire tastes like pretty. has got some good fears. it has got good fears. Lots of things, actually. Uh,
1: Wine lover said, ah, the burgundy dilemma. Their growers best take note. Other Pinot wine zones are producing ever more consistently pleasing fine wines, some very much in the burgundy style, at largely sane prices.
0: Yeah, well that's that's um that's so pricing that's is a an more issue. of a message for Burgundy. Yeah, but we Grace, have touched on that it? with Mounir, haven't we? You know, it's and, not
1: necessarily their fault, but actually the prices are they're pricing themselves out of normal wine lovers' everyday wines.
0: Exactly. And and actually can I pick up there on the, the Burgundian style, which in itself is a is controversial, isn't it? As we know from as our interviews. We know um from is interview. there such a thing as a Burgundian style? <laughs> anyway, Leah Felice Renton uh, said I like burgundy cuz it's well expen well nice sorry i've got this so just, let's start again. I like burgundy cuz it's well nice i don't like burgundy cuz the well nice burgundy is well expensive
1: yeah nice uh, i brought to and said me and my boy x always used to say with burgundy the highs are higher and the lows are lower when you whiff on a bottle of grand cru burgundy it breaks your heart but when you find that odd bottle of village and it whips ass You're thrilled. I think I should have done that in an American accent. Whips, air. I wouldn't presume.
0: No. Phil Crozier. It's a wine to aspire to. B, I can't afford it.
1: Yeah, well said, Phil. Brief and to the point as ever. (laughs) Andrew B said, uh, I love it because the ethereal beauty of the Pinot Noir and Chardonnay grapes grown by producers who understand their terroir and how to get the best from them and their bought-in grapes is amazing. And B said, the price of anything but entry-level wines.
0: Sadly true. So Andrew Mills says, as someone looking for sub-15 pound bottles for all but the most special of occasions, I should probably steer well clear of Burgundy. Fair enough, Andrew. I think most of us should, really. Mm. We feel the same. However, he says, I thoroughly enjoyed a Domaine Rago Givry last weekend, even though I could undoubtedly have found better value elsewhere.
1: And there, he's neatly summed it up, hasn't he? You know, trying to, try to stay away from it, but we can't just, and then you could find a good producer Domaine Rago. We yeah. love Domaine Rago. Yeah. Domaine
0: Rago. they whites produce, and reds. Yeah. Great Lovely, uh, lovely. Value. And, and pretty good value, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Linda Johnson Bell uh, said she loves burgundy because it was a 62, 1962 Domaine de la Romane Conte Echazot dance. One night at Castells as a student in '85, that seduced me into this profession and just, it became can just,
0: my. Can we just stop there? As a student,
1: I know. I'm Linda, not sure that's everyone's experience. You were student drinking experience. de
0: Mende la Romani Conti. I
1: think I was on White Lightning.
0: Where did you go to study? I really <laughs> need
1: to. We should have gone there. We're well, clearly embarrassed. I stopped you, you halfway. If through exactly. Then. If you'd waited, you'd have found out. <laughs> uh, it's her into this profession. Became my training ground as editor of Vintage in Paris. So we all should have been a student. Embarrassed, mm. clearly. Uh, I don't like, however, how climate change is distorting Pinot Noir's alcohol
0: levels. Mm-mm. Yep. Anyway, Evan, Evan Gill, the negative first, which I think is probably the right way to do it, really. Nothing like the disappointment of a pricey but lacklustre burgundy. Fair enough. Upside, nothing like the feeling of something truly special. And he goes on to to mention Sylvain Loichet, Claude Vaugeau, Grand Cru, changed me.
1: I think that's a really go. interesting thought. No, you,
0: you can get that wine, 2012, for oh, uh, really? £50 pounds in bond from Berry Brothers and Rudd per nice, bottle. nice
1: research. There we go. The concept of a wine changing you, an epiphany, mm. a life changing experience. How mm. often do people say that to us? You know, it's so common.
0: I bet if you did a percentage, it would be more Burgundy than virtually anywhere yeah, in the world.
1: Yeah. But even just being open to the fact that just something as simple as a wine can change your life. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and particularly, I, I agree. And I, I, I think And I think Burgundy it does it particularly often. Yeah, um, it really can. And um, I think it was for for Sam Neill, wasn't it? When we talked yeah. to him, uh, you know, his, his Burgundy epiphany. Anyway, uh, last one. Antonio Giannola said, it is elusive and subtle, a never-ending learning curve. The journey never ends. Ends, But the Burgundy journey may never end, watch this segue, but our episode <laughs> must end. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, thanks also to Munia Sauma, to Chris Jackson, and of course, to all of you who contributed your views on Burgundy.
0: Yeah, um, join us next time. Uh, but in the meantime, happy drinking, stay safe and cheers.